It's our show, Christy. We can do whatever we want. Let's show them how to do life. Oh, boy. Here it comes. It's like pandemonium, Heather. Okay, so I was thinking. She said what? I think I got it figured out. This is how this to do is life. how to do life. <laughs> I was born for this. I was born for this. I have seen the life. Hey, pretties, it's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And here's producer John. To hype the crowd. Just a quick warning. How to do life with Chrissy and Heather contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and other nonsense and whatnot. If you are adverse to any of these ingredients, this show may not be for you. So be sure to talk to your doctor and all your friends about how to do life. Let's get into it. Heather, it is Christmas Eve Eve. Yes, it is. Wednesday. Yes. Christmas Eve Eve. I've always loved this day. It is the day before the day before. It is not a holiday, but I don't know. It's enough celebration for me. It's technically like an, enough day to be a celebration. One you know? of my friends has a party on Christmas Eve Eve, and she calls it Christmas Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it goes along with um, on on Christmas Day. We're gonna hear some jokes, right? We're gonna hear some fun <laughs> jokes from you. So this is the warm up. This is the warm up before the pitch. Uh huh. Great. Can I add something? Oh, John, always, John, always. Wednesday, the Eve Eve is a holiday. Is it? It's called Festivus. Oh. For the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us. You're right. I didn't Christmas realize Eve that Eve. was on Christmas Eve Eve. I I didn't know there was a, a specific day for that. It's, no. it's always on December 23rd. Okay. Well, Festivus for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I also want to uh, thank our Facebook Live people from last time. Uh, from last week was the first time that we did it. We had um, 377 views on our first try. Oh, wow. Which I thought was pretty cool. That I'm pretty happy like with lot. that. I can't wait to watch it climb. Um, should you want to see Heather and I, um, you can. We are wearing lovely christmas attire and you will be able to go on and review the video of this if you want to see what we're wearing Mm -hmm. and all the fun stuff that we are doing so it's christmas eve eve it's a day that i like to celebrate it's festivus for the rest of us and it's enough cause for celebration for me maybe that's jumping the gun a little bit but i've jumped the gun in another way too and so i kind of have to make a uh confession it's time for a true confession. You are forgiven, my child. Bless her heart. Heather, we uh, posted a meme the other day. Yeah. And we said that nobody is supposed to get excited about 2021. Right. Nobody's supposed to say, it's my year. Right. Anything good is coming. We've been schooled. We're supposed to sneak in quietly and don't touch anything. Right. Don't make eye contact. But Heather, I've cleared off my desktop on my computer. I am getting in the organization and prep (laughs) to do things. And next week, my show is going to be on New Year's Day. So I will have the Friday show next week, the New Year's Day. And we'll dig into this then. But cleaning off my desktop meant kind of streamlining mm-hmm. and starting a plan to make a plan. Yes. I'm not really doing much yet. I'm not doing I'm not doing anything yet. I'm not doing too much. I'm just preparing for at some point doing something. I love that. That's the most optimistic time. Yes. So my desktop now, the only things that I left were 
the book that I need to finish, mm-hmm. my finances, mm-hmm. and a quick little project that I need to finish this week, and then it, it will clear. Everything else, the second book that I randomly started without finishing the first one, right? the the stories you know of, oh, I should send this one here, and I should do that, and I should all of that, um, even the show planning, I pushed it all away from front and center positions, and these things may creep back in. But I'm trying to clear space, and I'm trying to prioritize things, and I'm trying to limit distractions. I love it. I know. I know. And, you know, I I love it, too, because I feel like some people have really managed very, very well. And I know that the new year that is upcoming is not a like a magical trigger or anything. We learned that all too well in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it is. It's It's refreshing. And it's okay to look forward to it. Yeah. Still sneak up on it, like treat it like a little like stray kitten, you know, just. Right. We've been humble. Hold out a little snack and hope that it comes your way, you know, but uh, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to maybe just a little bit, you know. Um, I'm starting to set some goals. Got some, got some things that, you know, I haven't touched since the pandemic started <laughs> that perhaps a shift in the calendar is as good a reason as any to kind of. No. I hope so. To kind of get it together. Anything you're ready to share yet, or are they still percolating? Uh, they're really still percolating, but, you know, like, some of the things I've been thinking about are, like, I was writing and publishing really consistently, mm-hmm. and I really got away from it. Basically, yeah. it stopped in March, and it never recovered. So I was thinking maybe a goal of, like, publishing at least two articles a month, you know, mm-hmm. just nothing, nothing outlandish, nothing crazy, you know, just that, and redoing my calendar for, like... I should be getting, hopefully, children. Are you listening, children? My children. I'm supposed to be getting a beautiful new 2021 planner (laughs) where I can write everything in. And, you know, should I receive such a lovely gift, um, starting to map out, you know, to to really, truly finish that book. I think it's time for me to finish the book, you know. Um, And a lot of people are pushing me to do it. And I've got some new other business prospects and fun things. So, you know. Yeah. It's the end of this one. Let's wind this one down. Let's, uh, yeah. you know, let's move on. Well, today is actually book club day. Christmas Yay. Eve Eve, we're going to talk about a book. Have you read this book? OMG, it's fantastic. Yes, I couldn't put it down. Did you read the part where... <gasps> I know. Grab your coffee and highlighter. It's time for the How to Do Book Club Review. I've only heard that once before, and I forgot that I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it, too. I like it. It's great. Today, we are going to discuss Cheryl Strayed's book called Wild. As you know, since you just read it, this is the story of Cheryl Strayed's mother dying and her life falling apart, and she decided that the way to kind of regain herself was to put on a backpack and walk the entire Pacific Crest Trail. Um, what were your general impressions of this book, Heather? I wasn't sure what to expect when I started reading it. Um, I read it years ago and then, um, you know, kind of brushed up on it um, for the book club. And my first impressions were it was it was inspirational. Yeah. I was really um, excited about the idea of um, doing a through hike. And, you know, I've never done a through hike. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, growing up hiking, I was, you know, I, I enjoy it. And it's something that I'm that I like to do. Um, but doing a hike like that. Right. Is something that um, I've never. Yeah. And I've never been in a place of my life to, to take on something like that. 
but I loved it. I, I enjoyed it. I had a hard time getting through the first part, though. Yeah, it, there's there's a it's a sad you know opening, but it makes it really impactful. Yeah, I would think I think that this book is perhaps the most impactful um, book in my life, like memoir wise. You know, yeah. reading about someone else's story. Uh, several years ago, I read an article about um, the Camino de Santiago in Spain, mm-hmm. and it became the number one thing on my bucket list. It's like a a spiritual, magical kind of journey on foot. You follow a path that people have followed to find clarity for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Several hundred years people have walked this path. And I figured that I would like to do something like that when my kids were grown. You know, so it was the top of my bucket list, but it was, you know, I'll probably do this when I'm like 50, you know, when I'm, you know, 55, you know, when my kids are grown up and, you know, I just kind of have the time to maybe go on a little meander, right? Right. But back in the fall of 2017, I was really struggling. My dad had been dead for seven years. My mom had been dead for one year. I had had a weight loss surgery in 2015 and then a major reconstructive surgery in 2016 and then a follow-up pretty big surgery right then in 2017 my marriage had fallen apart and my new love had dumped me <laughs> and all of this was in the same fall 2017 window of time you know and i was drinking loads of alcohol <laughs> as a coping strategy and making very serious mistakes like i was not in a good place and i said to a friend of mine i wish i could just take a break and figure things out i wish i could just get myself together i wish i could go do that camino that's at the top of my bucket list and she said have you ever heard of cheryl strayed and i said no you know and she was like you should go get this book go get this book wild and i went and got it and i read it in days and then i watched the movie and I started kind of like soft lobbing the question to people in my life, you know, um, and being like, do you think this would be crazy if I did this? And not one person said, don't do it. Not one person said it was crazy. I didn't get any negative because I think that the universe at that point knew that if anybody had anything bad to say that it wouldn't happen. Right. You know? So I went and my story began a lot like Cheryl's, you know, mm-hmm. you're in a really bad place. Like, I, I mean, it, it really resonated for me, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it, it, on so many levels, you know, her mother died of lung cancer, you know, so there were a lot of parallels for me. But why do you think that it resonates so well for so many people who maybe don't have the same circumstances quite like I did? But it, this book really has resonated, especially with women, I think, but, you know, with people in general. All over. Well, you had the same circumstances in a literal way. You know, you had very direct understanding of what she was going through. But I think that the emotions that come along with those types of experiences can be felt through different ways. You know, you you may have lost, you know, you may have had an end to a career. You may have had, you know, lost somebody else in your life mm-hmm. or, you know, just feel like you're at a crossroads where, you know, you're just not sure, you know, where to go. And, um, you know, I think people feel emotions a lot um, stronger than they let on. And so they might not talk to other people about how they're feeling. But when they read a book like that, mm-hmm. it resonates with them because they 
felt that way. And maybe they felt like nobody else understood and this person did. I feel like often our most personal stories are our most universal stories. Mm -hmm. Like if you're willing to share like that deep nitty gritty thing about yourself and about how you feel about yourself and about what you need. And if you're actually willing to share that, it's actually the most universal thing because it touches something that's inside all of us, I think, you know, and I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Heather, I have a surprise for you. Oh, Oprah's here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We are going to use a few questions from Oprah's group reading guide on this book today. Okay. Um, I took some of the questions and made them better than Oprah's. <laughs> you are welcome, Lady O. Um, I added a couple extension questions. Okay. I'm going to put a link up in the show notes to her entire guide, but I'm just going to go through for our purposes um, just a few of them, just a few of them that I really liked that I thought, you know, good job, Oprah. You're really good questions. Wait, 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 <laughs> Oprah, we have together. All right. So the first one is, When Cheryl Strayed discovers the guidebook to the Pacific Crest Trail, she says that the trip was an idea vague and outlandish, full of promise and mystery. Later, her soon-to-be ex-husband suggests she wants to do the hike to be alone. What do you think or her reasons to do this journey? Why do you think she did this? Well, I think that the cliche answer would be to find answers to to the questions that were troubling her or that she, um, you know, was pondering. But honestly, you know, I, I, I think that she was drawn to it. Like, it seemed to me that there was an element of the universe that was pulling her there. Mm-hmm. And because when she decided to do it, she hadn't, she didn't have a ton of experience. She didn't have any. Right. And she, like, like so, never put a backpack on. She right. never put boots on. It wasn't like you know? this was something that she had, had always had an interest in doing and, or anything like that. Or that this was like her known coping strategy for stress. Right. It seemed kind of out of left field. And so I th- I think that she was just pulled there by the universe. Yeah. And maybe she couldn't explain why she needed to do it. I think that there's definitely something to be I think that sometimes our, our souls pull us toward, you know, like, you need to be outside. You need some solitude. You need, I don't think it's to be alone. I think it's because you have so much to process you can't do it in the environment that you're in. You're going to have to, you're going to have to move. And I think yeah. you're, you're right. She was drawn to that, drawn to moving like that. At one point, Cheryl tells herself, I was not meant to be this way, to live this way, to fail so darkly. It's a moment of self-criticism and despair. And yet some belief in herself exists in that statement. How do you think she feels about herself through the book, even during her lowest memory? moments and how do you think it helped her or hurt her on the PCT and this one is the one that I did an extension how does the way you talk about yourself Heather and feel about yourself in your lowest moments help or hurt you in your everyday life which is really what I'm more interested in hearing okay so you're asking me how ask me the question again the way that you talk about yourself the way that you feel about yourself in like your lowest moments how does that help you or hurt you in your day-to-day life? Oh, gosh. I know. It's big, right? It's a big question. Okay, so the way that I talk to myself in my low moments is, um, yeah, I think that I have a voice of of compassion and patience. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have to cultivate that, do you think? Or has it always been there? I think it's always been there. I think that when I was younger... Um, my inner voice would 
would encourage me to be patient because mm-hmm. I was always in a hurry when I was younger. I was in a hurry to be a, an adult. And my inner voice would remind me that I needed to be patient and go through all of the bullshit of being a kid and a teenager. And then I could finally be an adult. Mm -hmm. And it was I think it was coming from a place of compassion. And like, I understand that there's a lot in you, but you've got to go through this this adolescent experience first and then you can actualize into who you are right and so i think that when i'm in my lowest moments i still have that voice of understanding and compassion and patience Mm -hmm. and i think that it does help me to be more gentle with myself in my day-to-day life yeah i think um that i don't go into like a total you know self dislike spiral very often Sometimes something will pull that thread for me and I'll unravel pretty greatly. You know, like if something pulls it, then, you know, then I can quickly go to and this is bad and this is bad and no one's ever going to love me. And, you know, and I, I, I can go there. But I do think that, you know, being patient enough with myself, reminding myself of, you know, that, that people do love you. You know, like I think sometimes I'm hard on myself in the opposite way. Like you're being dramatic for having feelings, you know? So sometimes I try to squelch. I don't, I don't allow myself Mm -hmm. to maybe spiral down as low as I should or could, you know, but that's a coping strategy too, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a balance, you know, and finding that balance is something that, I don't know. We've known each other for over a year now and we've talked about how to find balance in our lives dozens and dozens of times i just i don't i don't think we've quite made it yet we're getting there we're We're working it every day right we're trying new approaches it's a constant process it is it's not a it's not a here and now i know how to you know manage everything on an even level all the time you know it's just not that's not realistic it's kind of like you know think about like those wobble boards that has the ball in the middle and then it has the board around it and the idea is to stay upright and Mm -hmm. you know to you're going to be, you're moving the whole time. You know, you're, you're trying to hold yourself up and to avoid toppling over, but you're at any given moment, you are in a different state of, of right. Of mm-hmm. motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of feel like that's what balances is a like that too. It's like, you don't ever really get it set. And then you, yeah, you're not just, it's like, not set it and forget it. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a, a right? wish, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a constant thing. And mm-hmm. so I don't beat myself up for getting out of balance because it's balance is a fluid thing. Right. You know, I just, I know how it feels when I don't feel balanced. It just feels more productive to be kind to yourself and try to achieve it again than to beat yourself up because it didn't it didn't go well. Right. You know, walking on the trail during the first few weeks, Cheryl writes, my mind was a crystal vase that contained only one desire. My body was the opposite, a bag of broken glass through the book. She talks about blisters, dehydration, exhaustion, hunger. How and why do you think her physical suffering helped her cope with her emotional pain? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean... Way to go, Oprah. Because <laughs> Chrissy ain't write these questions. <laughs> well, I I have never had the experience of um, finding release or relief through physical pain. Um, but I know that some people do, you mm-hmm. know, like when, like if people cut 
their skin or something. Right. You mm-hmm. know, that I, people say that that's a therapeutic thing. I haven't ever experienced that. It's never been something that has occurred to me to do. But I understand that it exists. And so I could understand how. Well, what about running for you? Like you're pushing through the pain to get yourself to a higher level of endorphins, a higher level. Like, you know, it pushes you past an emotional plateau, too, perhaps. I don't know. I guess. I mean, I don't I I'm not often in pain Mm -hmm. when I'm running. You know, like I don't feel like I'm pushing through physical pain. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely times when it's more challenging. Mm -hmm. But if it's painful, I stop. Yeah. I think that, like, my experience on the Camino was not a painful one. Like, I never got blisters. I never, like, and after reading this book, I thought all my toenails were going to fall off. And, you know, it was going to be horrible. And I don't know if I could have persisted in that way. And what's funny now is I've always bragged that I don't get blisters and that I know how to buy the right shoes that fit right and I wear the right socks. And and now I get blisters sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I really think that my Camino experience was the universe set everything up perfectly so that I would and could do it. Like yeah. I said, no, there was no opposition to doing it. When I got there, my feet held up great. My body held up great. I was in peak physical condition. I feel like everything, for Cheryl Stray, maybe everything needed to be that. Maybe yeah. she needed, you know, for whatever reason, you know, she needed pain and struggle and she needed to, you know, really muck through it in that way. For me, I think that, things almost needed to be that nicer version, that peace and calm, you know, because I felt like everything in my life otherwise was blisters, you right. know? So, so I don't know. I just think it's neat. And I think it's kind of, kind of personal. Like some people thrive in a setting like that where with physical aim, ailments pushing them toward, you know, a better emotional place. And some people really need recovery, you know, and their physical recovery matches with their, you know, emotional recovery, and they happen simultaneously. I remember there being um, parts of the book that I was losing my patience a little bit with her, and I think part of it is that I, I so I give myself a very small margin of self pity mm-hmm. before I pull myself up and get back to work, mm-hmm. and um, I. I do remember being like, come on, like, if you want two things to be better, you have to create better. Right. You know, and, um, you know, I hadn't, I've never gone through an experience as painful as hers, but I remember feeling like it's not going to get better if you keep talking about how horrible it is. Right. I think it's neat. I think it's really cool the way that she captured that feeling because she wrote this book, I believe, 10 years out from this experience. Mm, so like having the good notes, having the good, you know, I think I, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like this book came well after the mm-hmm. journey and she was able to access, gosh, I was in that place, you know, and the book that I'm writing in that story, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of notes that I have, uh, stories that I wrote at that time, feelings that diaries, things like that, that I read them and I'm like, who the heck is that? Mm. You know, like I don't recognize that girl Mm -hmm. and it must be, I would assume that her story is similar because, you know, I follow her on social media. She seems to be a really positive person, a really put together person, very self-actualized, you know, and yeah, to be able to 
vulnerably share those moments of despair and self-pity and whatnot might be part of what it's off-putting but it's also a connection point you know yeah. so when you're like girl get up like it makes, <laughs> it makes you care about her a little bit you know like you're like you know what get up and change your life then if you yeah. don't want it to be like that yeah. you know okay Cheryl writes that her old approach to meeting people especially men was to present the least true version of me and it says, how does she change this approach on the PCT? But I, I I don't necessarily want to talk about how she changes it. The Oprah question here. I want to talk about what do you think that means? Well, I, I think it's a protection of the least true version of me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you could take that in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, is the least true automatically false? I, don't, I, I wonder if she means, you know, like she's outwardly. Because in the beginning of the book, she's very promiscuous. Mm-hmm. She's very, you know, um, it, and I wonder if she's just projecting this image of confidence mm-hmm. and of fun and of like this cool put together girl. You know, I don't care about anything. And yeah, I'll just sleep with that dude and whatever. And it's nothing like yeah. the Cheryl Strayed that we read here, the person who's in in there in her heart right that's got to be it right that's got to be kind of you know that's what i think so i mean i I think it's just you know you're you're protecting yourself from feeling things yeah isn't it interesting that sometimes what we give people and who we are don't align like or sometimes i think that what I give it is what I feel in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is. But I don't think that anyone can ever know how pensive another person is when they go home and how deeply they think and how they analyze that and how that, that sentence that you said really hurt my feelings. But I'm just trying to be a cool girl and, you know, and, and act OK with it. You know, so I, I think that they're like sometimes we have to be really mindful not to present the least true version of ourself or at least a variation of an untrue version of ourself, you know. I think the word untrue is a tricky one there because, right. you know, it's I think we all have different versions of ourselves that we show in different scenarios. And it doesn't necessarily make one untrue. You know, but I mean, I guess if it's not authentic, then I mean, it's untrue. But I, I just don't know that that's a word I would choose. Yeah. I, I mean, that. if I'm acting one way in a social circumstance, it's, I'm not necessarily being untrue. This is just one version. You're just fitting. I'm on my best behavior. Yeah, you're fitting that scene and that environment and that set of circumstances. Right. I gotcha. But I think that if I was re- really living in a way that I felt was untrue, that would be emotionally exhausting. Yeah. I, I think so, too. And I think that maybe that's part of why she had to do this journey, because she was just emotionally exhausted. Nothing made sense anymore. And I think that... Some of us who partake on journeys as such <laughs> maybe have found ourselves in that place. All right. So one of the questions that they wrote here about about the fox and Cheryl Strayed seeing the fox, I like my question better. So okay. we're going with my question. <laughs> Cheryl believes that the fox is her mother. Have you ever had an experience where you felt like an animal or something with nature was a representation of something you lost? Mm. Not really in that way. Um, I also have not experienced a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't had tragic loss. I've had 
loss that has just been par for the course. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't gone through trauma in that way um, where I was seeing a lot of symbolism. Um, I'll tell you, <laughs> I have many personal examples of this, like, you know, or a, a set of birds or a rainbow or a something. But what I'm going to tell instead, just to make it a little lighter, is the other day I was watching a very old season of The Bachelor. <laughs> Because I love The Bachelor and it makes my week happy and bright. And um, they got to the final two. Mm -hmm. And the girl decided that the one guy was the one she was going to dump, right? Okay. And he was a really super sweet guy and he had lost his mom. And they had told throughout the season this story of him like moving home, taking care of his mom as she died. Like it it was absolutely beautiful. And he said that before she died, she wrote each of her sons. She had three sons and she wrote them a letter and she said, "Uh, always look for me in rainbows. Right. And he's like, and ever since she died, I feel like rainbows follow me, blah, 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 blah. And so the girl, the bachelor girl, they're on an Island in Fiji. No, no, they're, they're in Bora Bora. That's where they are. They're in Bora Bora. And like on this tiny little, you know, whatever, they're like the only people there is the cast of the crew, you know, her, this dude. And she calls him in and she's like, hey, I don't even want to go to the rose ceremony tomorrow. I know I'm going to let you go. And I feel like the best thing for me to do, you know, to spare each other's hearts is to do it today. Right. And the guy is sad and the guy goes back to his little hut and it's not raining and it's totally clear. And this beautiful rainbow, like, oh my God. And the entire cast and crew is crying. I'm like, the bachelor is so beautiful. (laughs) Like, uh, like it, it was absolutely so nice. And like, and the girl can see it too, because they're on this tiny Island, you know? So she's like, oh my gosh, his mom came to take care of him. You know, like, and it was so neat because it was an arc. It was a story arc through the whole, through the whole thing, you know? And, that's pretty cool, you know. I think that there are things that that show up that we're like, "Whew, that was something that I can't explain." Yeah, you know, and and timing that I can't explain it to be there. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right, we're gonna do one more question from this, and then we're going to announce our new book. Wild is a journey book. It moves around in time, but it starts in one place and ends in another. At the very end, the story jumps forward to describe what Cheryl doesn't know yet, what she will find beyond the wilderness. Then it concludes with her saying, it was enough to trust that what I'd done was true. What kind of understanding has she come to by the last line, how wild it was to let it be? (laughs) Well, I think that letting something be oh gosh right i mean that's just, isn't that the biggest thing we can do i think it's incredibly brave and wild i think is a good word for it you know yeah. because mm-hmm. you are letting go of the control and you're allowing your life to unfold before you right and i think that that takes a lot of trust in yourself to be able to adapt and recover to whatever happens in life right i, I mean it's just like this is such a good book, such a powerful book. I'm really glad that we did it as the book club. I'm really glad that I wanted to do it today to spin these questions and give us an opportunity to talk about how it made us feel about ourselves. And I hope that our listeners at home take a chance and go, oh, you know, like, yeah, that that did relate to me. And I I think about it that way, too. And I have had a moment like that. And, you know, I just think that that's where, you know, a book can make a personal connection for us. And that's pretty cool, right? Yes. It's pretty cool. All right, let me tell you guys what the new book is. All rise for Chrissy's Book Club announcement. 
horns. I like it. <laughs> this year, Heather, I have a very strong sense that Santa is bringing me a lot of toys. Ooh. So I think two days from now, when Christmas arrives, I'm going to get toys. I feel like there might be a drum set. <laughs> there might be like a smushy, cuddly, plush baby Yoda doll. <laughs> Like scented lotions, mm-hmm. maybe even a couple kitchen gadgets. Ooh, that's yeah. unusual for you. That's very unusual for me, but I, you know, time to try new things, right? It has been a damn rough year, right? Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit rough. One for the books. I feel like we can all use a little play and a little more laughter and a little more light. And so I chose our next author because he is funny. He Yay. is funny. Have you I, seen him? I yes, I chose David Sedaris. He was actually here in Tallahassee last year, and he told me when he was here that he wasn't sure Chrissy Moore was a good name for a best-selling author. <laughs> and I assured cool. him that it is. Um, he drew me a picture of the back of a girl's head, and he autographed a copy of his book Naked for me. But Naked is not the book that we are reading. We are going to read Calypso. Let me tell you why we're going to read Calypso. We're going to read Calypso because I went down to the Midtown Reader, which is a fabulous store here in Tallahassee, Florida. Friends, go shop at the Midtown Reader. They had several copies of Calypso, and so I bought Calypso for some of the people that I know do our book club as their Christmas gifts. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, what do you have the most copies of by David Sedaris? And the answer was Calypso. Go down. There you go. That's the universe. It will make a great um, stocking stuffer. you got two days left. Go down to Midtown Reader or on Amazon if you so choose and get yourself a copy of Calypso. I'm going to uh, read you guys the uh, little, little jacket of it so you know what we're getting into here. If you've ever laughed your way through David Sedaris's cheerfully mi- misanthropic, oh, that's such a hard word, <laughs> stories, you might think you know what you're getting with Calypso. You would be wrong. When he buys a beach house on the Carolina coast, Sedaris envisions long, relaxing vacations spent playing board games and lounging in the sun with those he loves most. And life at the sea, he calls it the sea section, the name of the (laughs) vacation home, is exactly as idyllic as he imagined, except for one tiny vexing realization. It is impossible to take a vacation from yourself. With Calypso, Sedaris sets his formidable powers of observation toward middle age and mortality. Make no mistake, the stories are very, very funny. You will laugh till you snort the way only family can make you laugh. His power of observation has never been sharper, and his ability to shock readers into laughter is unparalleled. But much of the comedy here is born out of that moment when your own body betrays you and you realize that the story of your life is made up of more past than future. Oh, God. So, we're going to laugh. This is your upbeat, happy book? <laughs> He's very funny. Yes. It's going to be dark and it's going to be funny. It says, this is the beach read for people who detest beaches. Required <laughs> reading for those who loathe small talk and love a good tumor joke. <laughs> Calypso is simultaneously Sidaris's darkest and warmest book yet. And it might be his very best. Excellent. So that's what we're going to read. Probably about six weeks. I'm going to say we're going to get into it probably close to Valentine's Day. This seems like a lovely Valentine's Day topic. I think this will be delightful. That's perfect because I have another book that I have to read and lead a book club on first. <laughs> so get that one done. And we'll then have about- I can do this one. Um, 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for spending your Christmas Eve Eve with Heather and I yeah. talking about my most favorite book. That's a lovely gift that you guys gave me. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we will be back on. Oh, well, we've got uh, join us, join Brian and I tomorrow on our special Not Quite Therapy Christmas Eve show. We're Ooh, doing our Christmas fun. Eve show tomorrow. Okay. And we're going to talk about Christmas porn. So there's oh, that. Correct. It's even a thing. So there's that. I don't know. It, it, apparently it's a thing. Um, and then join us Friday for Heather's joke-telling Christmas Day episode. It will be quite fabulous, I'm yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Until get your next... shot glasses ready. Ooh, yes. Get your shot glasses. Yes, we have, there's a drinking game. It pops up about halfway through. Until next time. Bye. Don't forget to tell them where to find us. Yeah, tell us what you learned. We're on all the things. For those of you looking to increase your dosage, connect with Chrissy and Heather on Facebook and Instagram and tell us how you do life. Visit ChrissyandHeather.com. That's with a C-H-R-Y-S-S-Y. Like, share, and subscribe. And tell everyone you know. Until next time.